Well, this is week number five in our series. We uh, are talking about why does church matter? Why does church matter, Diana? Think about it. Um, we said uh, three reasons why we're doing this series. Um, first reason is some of us here, uh, the truth is we've never really thought through why do, you, why do you come to church every Sunday? It's just something maybe your parents brought you and you've just always been in the church habit. But if you don't know why you're coming, if there's not a foundation, it's really a habit that's easy to get out of. It doesn't take much and then pretty soon you're not here anymore. Second reason for the series is because our children and our grandchildren are voting with their feet. I'm just telling you, the statistics are alarming. Um, our kids and grandkids are leaving the church at, at unbelievable rates. And if we don't understand why church matters, and we're not teaching and training and explaining to them why church is essential, uh, they're not going to get it, and they'll just keep on. It'll be our kids and our grandkids that aren't with us here in church anymore. Third reason why church matters is because more and more of us are overwhelmed, overscheduled, exhausted. I usually say I won't ask, but I'd be curious. How many of you would say, I'm either overwhelmed, overscheduled, or exhausted? Count me in that. Yeah, okay. I see some hands. Lots of them. Now, uh, here's, here's the deal. If you're in one of those categories, it wouldn't take much for you to say Sunday morning, you know what, I'm just tired. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I, I don't think I'm going to go. And here, here's the deal. Church habit Uh, We'll talk about that next week as a habit that's hard to get into, but it's really easy to get out of. doesn't take much, and pretty soon you're no longer a part of us. So uh, this is week number five. just want to do a little bit quick review. Week number one, first answer, why does church matter? Because King Jesus tells us this is his plan today. You want to know what age we're in today? It's the church age, biblically speaking. And the church is the hope of the world. The church is the hope of northern Michigan. God's plan to reach and change the world, you ready? It's the local church. You're sitting here. This is God's plan for today. Uh, Week number two, we saw that the church matters because the church is the bride of Christ. The bride of, in other words, It was for the church that Jesus came, took on human form, willingly took our place on the cross, shed his blood victoriously. It was for the church that Jesus came and died and shed his blood and arose from the dead. It's for the sin of his bride, the church. Um, And the king of the universe says, uh, this is my bride, this is my plan. And many are now saying, Jesus, I love you. You're my king. I'm all in with you. Uh, Whatever you say, I'm there. Uh, But I just want you to know I don't care much for your queen. You know, I I love you. I love you, king. but But I don't really like your wife, the church. And when we say that, we're not just rejecting the bride, the church. Please understand, we're rejecting the king. This is his plan. This is his idea. What if the purpose of the local church, just like marriage, is not to make us happy? 
What if instead the purpose of the local church is to make us holy? Uh, We saw week number three, the church matters because it's God's plan to grow us, mature us, to cause us to not stay babies, but to grow us up in Jesus Christ. And that plan to grow us and mature us is the local body. Week number four, that was last week. Didn't Pastor Brant do a fabulous job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can even give him a little hand because you can't do that. You can't do that after a sermon. That's kind of weird, you know. And then he'd have to take a bow and, and really Jesus should get the glory. But, but you were a good tool that Jesus used last week. Anyway, he said the church matters because there's unity in diversity. Uh, the church matters because the church is just like a body. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a body missing parts. When the body's missing parts, it doesn't work properly. It doesn't work correctly, and we together are the body of Christ. It matters because you're a part of the body, and if you're not here, a part of us is missing. Here's how we closed. The church matters because I need you, and you need me, and we all need Jesus. We're the body. Okay, this is week number five, and we're going to see that the church matters because together we shine bright with good deeds to win the world to the one true God. Let me slow that down, okay? We literally are on mission here, local church, and together we do good works in the name of Jesus, and when we do good works corporately together, that can't be denied our, our, our loving and shining brightly with good words can't be unseen. In other words, people can't deny something's happening when the local church is shining with the light of Jesus Christ. Locate with me on your phone, in your Bible, Matthew chapter 5. Uh, you, these are familiar verses, but I, I think they're interesting because sometimes we look at certain parts of these verses and, and not so much others. Matthew 5 14 to 16, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon ever given, and he tells us what our church family can accomplish if together we're shining bright. Would you stand with me if you're able? If you're able, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, let's uh, declare out loud together. These are Jesus' words, uh, greatest sermon ever preached. Here we are. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, would you... uh, Just meet us today in your church. This is your church, and it's not the building, it's the people. So please come and be welcome today in your church. And Lord, as we uh, together dig into your inspired words, would you please use these weak lips to communicate your truth to your church? Would you teach and convict and challenge? Lord, uh, You've ordered us to be doing some stuff here today, shining bright. Would you help us to 
recognize and grab a hold of uh, the priority this needs to be in our lives, to be in my life. And I want to pray for those who are here this morning. I pray for those who are watching online right now. Some of them have just finished a really hard, painful, stress-filled life. And uh, this past week has been tough. And I pray, Lord, as we wait upon you right now, just for a few moments, that you'd refill and recharge and renew us. Lord, uh, you are the source of grace and strength and comfort, and we drink deeply from you right now. Help us, Lord, to love and encourage one another. Lord, might none of us leave here the same as we came in. Lord, my prayer is that all of us would hear from you and be ready to respond. You speak, Lord. We're listening. We're ready to hear. We're ready to be doers. And all the church family at Walloon Lake said with one unified voice, you can be seated. Tim Winston, got a picture of Tim, is the most celebrated author in Australia. There he is. Uh, he's author of a dozen best-selling books, winner of lots of awards. I could take some time. Um, anyway, Tim was appearing on a television show in Australia, and the conversation turned to Tim Winston's well-known faith in Jesus Christ. Um, Winston was talking about how he became a follower, and here's what he said. This is interesting. He said that when I was five years old, my father was a policeman, and as he was riding his motorcycle, a drunk driver ran literally over my father, and Tim's father spent weeks in a hospital in a coma. When Tim's father finally came home, Tim said at five years old, I didn't hardly recognize him. He was all busted up, broken, barely recognized him. And uh, he said, my dad was a big man. He, he was tall, he weighed a lot, and he said, my mom had great difficulty bathing him. That was a, a task that needed to be done daily, and for her to get him into the bath and to do a proper job was really hard and difficult, almost impossible. Well, news of what was going on in the family traveled in the community, one day, Tim Winston recalls, somebody knocked on the door, and when mother opened the door, the man said, oh, good day, uh, my name is Lynn, and that was the first time we ever met Lynn Thomas, uh, and he says, I hear your hubby's laid up, anything I can do to help? Lynn Thomas was from the local church. And Lynn had just heard about the trouble with the family, and he wanted to help, so he just showed up. Tim said, you know, every day, five years old, Lynn would show up and carry my dad from his bed, put him in the bath, helped him to get all cleaned up, and he said, you know, back in the 1960s, that was really unusual uh, for, for a man to come and help another man in this way. But according to Tim, that simple act of kindness from a man from a local church had a powerful effect. 
He said, watching this grown man show up day after day, again and again, to wash my sick father, it deeply affected me. He said, this strangely sacrificial act was the doorway to the Christian faith. Not just for me, but for my entire family. You understand? Him showing up daily to do something a little, little strange but sacrificial really had an impact on the entire family. Uh, now, Lynn Thomas would not have described himself as an evangelist. You don't normally think of evangelism as carrying somebody and giving them a bath. But God used his sacrifice, his influence to love the entire Winston family to Jesus Christ. That continued act of giving and loving was from Len Thomas, who happened to be from the local church. Len's good deeds showing up, repeatedly bathing Tim Winston's father was the light of Jesus. You understand? That was the light of Jesus shining so bright that the entire Winston family came to faith in Jesus Christ. Is that not great? It's amazing. It's good deeds that Jesus explains in Matthew chapter 5 that's the light of the world. Can't, can't be resisted. Matthew chapter 5, it's good deeds that softened the Winston family's hearts, melted their objections, and made them open to King Jesus. Locate Matthew 5 once again. It's the good deeds that we are called to shine all around us. Do you understand? Look at Matthew 5 verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Now here's what's interesting. Um, in English, you is plural. You are the light of the world is plural, but in English, Glenn, we have no way of distinguishing uh, you being singular or plural. You, you read it and you're really not sure, is it talking to a single person or is it talking to plural? My, my Tennessee cousins, they, they would say it this way, Diana, you ready? Y'all are the light of the world. Y'all, y'all, verse 16, let the light of y'all shine before others. Okay, now you're getting it. We're not just talking to a person, we're talking about an entire community. So, so I want you to plug that into verse 14, and it really helps, because Jesus is talking to his disciples and to the crowds, and he's saying, y'all, y'all are the community that are to shine brightly together. He's talking about us. As the church family, together we shine bright as Christ's community to show northern Michigan the light of Jesus. Are you tracking with me? And how do we show the light of Jesus to our community? You ready? With our sacrificial and loving good deeds. It's when we carry people day after day and bathe them and keep showing up with the love of Christ. That's how we shine bright. Now, now here's the question. Why good deeds? Why, 
Why on earth is loving like Jesus with our actions needed and necessary? Okay? First answer is this, because people can't see our faith. In other words, you can take an x-ray of a follower of Jesus. You can take a CAT scan. You can go and get an MRI. Are you ready? You don't see Jesus in the x-ray, the CAT scan, or the MRI. How do people see Jesus in us? Okay? Let's think of the waitress, the waiter at the restaurant that you may go to this afternoon. Okay? They can't see Jesus in you when you walk in. But they'll know if you treat them with kindness and patience and love. They'll know whether you are stingy with the tip or whether you are generous with it. If you understand, they'll know we are Christians by the way we treat them with our deeds. Okay, now, John chapter 8 and verse 12 says something interesting. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am, in other words, let's just pause, until you open the door of your heart, until we allow Jesus to come into our lives and let his light shine in us and through us, everyone, we're all, we were all included there, we're living in darkness. So it's when we open the, li- the door of our lives to Jesus that light, the light of the world, comes in. John 1, 4 and 5. In Jesus was life. In Jesus was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The life and the light of the world is Jesus Christ. Okay? So, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. I bring life, and I bring light to all those who are spiritually blind, living in bondage, living in darkness. Got that? I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12. And now look again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. What does he say? I'm the light of the world, John 8, 12. And he says, now what? You, y'all, are the light of the world. Isn't that interesting? So I'm the light of the world, and now he says, you, plural, family, y'all, are the light of the world. Meaning, Christian community, we are the light. We're called to be the light to the people around us. So how do we shine and reflect the light of the sun? Okay? S-O-N. How do we reflect the light of the sun to a dark and blind world? Slide down to verse 16. He tells us, Let the light of y'all shine before others. And how do they see the light? They'll see y'all's good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. They'll see y'all's good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What does that mean? (laughs) Shine your good deeds on the people around you who are living in darkness that literally they might start praising the God of the Bible. Why? Because they're realizing in us through our good deeds that this Jesus stuff is real. It really is real. It really does make a difference when we love like Jesus with our deeds. Now, what does this look like? How would we go about as a family, as a community, 
as a church, how do we corporately shine good deeds like a city on a hill to all those around us? How, how would we do that? You ready? Let, let me, let's go to the early church, Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. There was a great famine, and thousands of people were starving to death. Acts chapter 6 tells us that the early church took up offerings. Everywhere Paul was going, they keep talking about, would you take an offering up? You know what that was for? They were taking care of those who were about to starve to death back in, in the early church times, okay? This was such a big deal, Math, Acts chapter 6. The early church chose seven godly, spirit-filled leaders, and they said, you know what? We want this to be fair. We want this to be done right, distributing food, making sure everybody's taken care of. Seven, you, you go and you make sure we're doing it right. The early church literally in Jerusalem fed thousands of people. And Paul was always saying, would you, would you take care or thank you for your generosity to take care of the people in Jerusalem? And please understand, history tells us most of them weren't Christ followers. Most, most of those who were starving and being fed were not part of the church. But they just took care of everybody. History says in Rome, the Roman church took care of 1,500 people, mostly pagans, mostly non-followers of Jesus. And they would have starved to death if the early church hadn't stepped up and said, you know what? We're going to shine real bright. And the best way we know to shine bright right now, let's feed the people who might starve to death if we don't take good care of them. Sacrificial, generous, good deeds. Um, at this time in the Roman world, if you had a baby and you, didn't, you, did, you already had two, three girls, we don't want another girl, or if your baby was born sick, or there was some defect that you didn't like, here's what they would do in the Roman world. You would take the baby, you would lay it out in the open outside the city gate, and you just walk away and let the elements or the wild animals take care of those babies. Guess what the early church did? They, they became known as people who would watch for the babies left out, and they would scoop up these babies and adopt them into their families. They, they became the, the savers of babies or followers of Jesus Christ. And, and everyone thought that was strange, but, but wow, and, and they just adopted them as, as a part of their sacrifice, good deeds of the early church. Let, let me give you one more example. Uh, this is timely, since lots of us Oh no, there's a virus in the air. Um, when disease or plagues struck a community, guess who was known for coming in and nursing and feeding and bathing and helping people who were sick? And, and no one else, no one else would go in when disease or plague struck a community. But the local church would, would charge right in there and love on the sick people. Many of them got sick and died as a result. But they went right in sacrificially and loved on people who were sick and would have died without the local church's good deeds. Um, how on earth, think with me, this is, 
This is one of the key questions of history. How could a ragtag group of 120 people in Acts chapter 2? Now, we know the number. Acts 2, they're in the upper room. There's 120 of them. How could 120 nobodies over time conquer and become the major force in the mighty Roman Empire? In in about 300 years, the number one force in all of the Roman Empire was Christianity. How on earth did 120 nobodies literally conquer the mighty Roman Empire? You ready for the answer? They weren't shy about shining bright. They weren't shy about showing the love of Jesus Christ demonstrated in their generous, sacrificial good deeds. I'm telling you, the way they kind it was one person at a time they loved, they took care of, they sacrificed. And over time, the light of Jesus Christ penetrated one person at a time with loving good deeds. And over time, that gave them the right to be heard. People listened to them. You know what? I was about to die, and you fed me. Um, I was one of those babies that had been eaten by an animal, and you came and you adopted me. I was one of those who was sick, and I would have died, but you came in and nursed me. Suddenly, now I'm interested in what you have to say. See, we tend to do it just the opposite. We go charging in with our words, and we haven't earned the right to be heard yet, okay? But over time, one person at a time, their loving, sacrificial, generous deeds melted hearts, opened minds, and suddenly they were ready to hear about this God of the Bible and say yes to His Son, Jesus Christ. So, practically... What would that look like here? Think about it with me. If we were going to start uh, intentionally shining bright and with all of our effort and all of our creativity and uh, sacrificially launch out, shine bright in northern Michigan, what would that look like? Is it okay if I just kind of dream a bit with you? Can you handle that? Let me just give you some things that the Lord brought to my mind, I think. But um, it might mean that we'd follow the lead of several churches have, have grabbed a hold of this, and I think this is really cool. Um, and they take offerings, and now they, they do some dealing with the local hospital. And I don't know if you know this or not, but thousands of people in northern Michigan still owe medical debt. And what these churches have been doing is they go and they negotiate, and there's actually a Christian organization that negotiates, and now the church goes and pays off the medical debt of thousands of people. And they get a letter in the mail and say, "Um, we just want you to know, in the name of Jesus, we love you, and you're free. The debt is gone. We've paid that. Okay? Could look like that. Or it might mean that we as a church meet the needs of many parents here in northern Michigan who need a reliable, affordable place to watch their children while they make a living. We've got 
This, this, I understand, is a crisis, and we might say, you know what? This is going to be sacrificial. This is going to be hard, but maybe the church needs to start a Christian daycare center so that we can show the love of Jesus Christ to these parents and every day love on their children. Um, it might mean that we open a recovery house. What does that mean? We have uh, the folks at Bear River, and many of them are there for 30, 60, 90 days. The statistic that jumps at me is if you just go to 30, 60 days in a recovery place, um, statistically, 6 to 7% of those people will come out and be victorious over their addiction. 6 to 7%. But if you check out of a place like that and you go to a recovery house, in other words, I'm not ready to just jump back into life. I need a place where I'll be held accountable. And if you stay at a good, healthy recovery home for a year, are you ready? The success rate jumps to 60 to 70%. Did you catch that? So you go from 6 or 7% uh, to 60 to 70% at a healthy recovery home. We've got lots of folks around us chained to addictions. Boy, they could use us to shine that kind of light their way. It, it might mean I, I contacted uh, Pastor Chad who leads our community needs program. Did you know that every month we minister to 35 or 40 people every month? who are in the community, and most of them have nothing to do with the church, but we just love on them, and, and when we give, the benevolent offerings go to them. And, and here's what Chad and Jason and now Northridge would like to start it too. We, we just don't have the funds. But wouldn't it be great if we could go from 35 or 40 people in Walloon and East Jordan to maybe 75 or 100 people? You understand? That's, that's what it means. Let your light so shine, y'all. Um, or here's the final one. It might mean we start a ministry to help people who've been in motorcycle accidents to take baths and, and get clean at home, okay? So that's that one that we learned, it, okay? I, I'm just telling you, it, we're only limited by the imagination and the creativity of the Lord working through us. There's this book, let's put it up there, um, it's The Best Kept Secret of Christian Mission. I've referred to that um, several months ago. It's a great book, it really is. Lots of books are good. This one, I would put it in the board, our elders and deacons, we're studying through this together right now, okay? Um, anyway, John Dixon's book, I, I, it's really good, you can get it. Uh, Christian book distributors, Amazon, your favorite place. Um, anyway, he says, we should be asking questions like this. Ready? How can we better care for the sick? How is we as a church, how can we care for the dying? And you're thinking, well, isn't that the government's job? No, <laughs> it's not. It's our job to shine bright. How can we do better in taking care of the elderly? How can we meet the needs of the poor? Isn't that, isn't that government, isn't that state's job? No, it's our job. How can we better support single parents? 
How can we make a difference for those who are chained and bound with addictions? Those are the kind of questions we should be asking ourselves. And and as you ask these questions, I believe the Lord will say, you know what, you could do this. And and I'll just tell you, okay? Chad's my... uh, the other lead pastor here at Walloon, here's what we're always looking for. We're not looking for ideas. Why don't we do this? Well, let's do that. Here's what we're always looking for. You ready? The Lord has laid this on my heart. Let's do this. And Pastor Chad, I'll lead the charge. I'll do. I'll be the one. Let me go first, and I'll lead, and by God's grace. And you know what? As soon as I hear somebody say, and I'll do it, and I'll lead the charge, uh, that's when I get excited because suddenly now it feels like God's at work because he's not only worked a good idea, but somebody now, it's such a good idea, and the Lord's birthed it in me, and now i got to do it, whatever it takes. Now, now we're going somewhere. Church matters, give me your eyes, because we're the light of the world. Church matters because we are the ones who are called to reflect the light of the Son, Jesus Christ, loving them like Jesus, showing the world that lives in darkness the reality of Jesus Christ. And the way they see that in us is through our sacrificial, generous good deeds. It's it's as we show them what Jesus looks like that suddenly they say, I think I'm going to listen. I might actually respond. In other words, they don't just want to hear us talk the talk. They want to see us what? Walk the walk. Walk the walk, and then I'll listen to you. But, but you better walk the walk first. Our good deeds can win the world, can win northern Michigan to the one true God. And please understand, this isn't just a missionary tactic. This is we show Christ's love. Why? Why would we do this? Because Jesus first loved us. That's how Jesus has shown us love. Sadly, much of the world thinks the church, much of northern Michigan in 2020, they think we're just people who are quick to judge, quick, quick to tell people you're awful, you're, you're headed to hell, and secretly we're kind of happy about it. That's what the world thinks about us as a whole. But instead, here's what Jesus says. Here's my plan. Here's how to penetrate that uh, community, church, so sacrificial, generous love, good deeds to northern Michigan. Just telling you, it's irresistible. We've earned the right to be heard. People are ready to listen. People are living in darkness. They're just waiting for us to go shine bright on them. And then suddenly now with good deeds, they're saying, okay, I get it. This is real. I'm ready to hear. Church matters because we're the light of the world. We are. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for showing us not just what to do, but how to do it. And Lord, would you forgive me, forgive us, for all the times we've talked and preached and, and uh, spoken down at people before we earned the right through love and good deeds to be heard. 
And I pray, Lord, that we as a church might get better at showing those around us the light of good deeds done in your name and your power. And Lord, as uh, the world around us gets darker and more needy, would you help us to shine even brighter? Would you help us to double down? The tendency as things get darker and harder is for us to run and hide. And I'm asking, Lord, we go against the flow the other direction. Help us to be even more generous and more sacrificial and shine even brighter as things around us get darker. We don't do this, Lord, so we can look clever and take bows and get applause. Lord, we do this so your son Jesus can be lifted high. We do this so Jesus would shine bright to the world around us. I wonder if anyone would say as we close, Jesus, you know what? I think I'm open to walk in the walk and not just talk in the talk. Jesus, I just want you to know, as you speak clearly, if you point out situations and people where I can show your light through good deeds, even if it's inconvenient, even if it's hard, Jesus, I just want you to know, I'm open to being used by you in this way. Would you just let him know? See my hand, Lord. I'm open to that. I see your hands. Anybody? Lord, see my hand. Count me in. Lord, this following you is not easy. It's not the easy path. You've not called us to convenience and comfort. You've actually called us to the harder road, to the higher road. So would you help us, Lord, to not just respond right now in this moment, but Lord, would you convince us down to our toes, convict us. that we need to shine light on the people you've placed around us, our, our, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers, the, the people we go to school with. Help us to notice things that we can do where we can shine your light. Show us the good deeds that we can do individually, but Lord, show us clearly as, as y'all as your church. We're ready to respond. We're ready to do it your way. I don't want to close today without recognizing could be somebody here today and the truth is all this talk about shining light and actually you're living in darkness. Until you open up the door of your life and invite Jesus in. Here's the truth. You're living in darkness because the light of the world has not taken root, has not been invited in, has not been believed in and received. And whether you're here today or watching online, today you can say, you know what? Enough of this darkness stuff. 
I'm ready to say yes to the light of the world. Jesus willingly left the glory and the splendor of heaven. He took on human form, lived a sinless life. Therefore, Jesus alone qualifies to take my place, to take your place on the cross. He willingly shed his blood for my greatest problem. And frankly, it's yours too. We're sinners. He took our place in the grave and victoriously arose from the dead early Sunday morning. Right where you're seated. Right while you're watching. Jesus, I believe you did that for me. I believe all those facts are true for me. And right now I receive you, Jesus, the light of the world. Come and light up my life. Make me new. Make me one of your kids. I'm ready to follow you. No turning back. Thanks, Jesus. We love you. Thanks for giving us clarity in your book. I pray, Lord, that uh, we'll be devoted this week to doing it your way, to shine bright, to reach out and love sacrificially, unconditionally, those people around us. It's in Jesus.